The Hoop Collective is brought to you by Goodyear. Celebrating March deal days with month-long service and savings, visit GoodyearAutoService.com for offers. For the best NCAA tournament bracket breakdowns, check out Courtside with Dan Dockich and Seth Greenberg. They'll recap the opening weekend of the tournament and give you a sense of which four teams will survive next weekend. You can find Courtside wherever you get your podcasts. Don't miss the biggest, baddest rematch at UFC 260 as heavyweight champion Stipe Miocic and number one contender Francis Ngannou meet for the second time. UFC 260 on March 27th is exclusively available to ESPN Plus subscribers for $69.99. Visit ESPNPlus.com slash PPV. Hello and welcome to the Hoop Collective Podcast. We talk about the NBA, which we are doing on Monday morning. Joining us from Los Angeles, uh, it's early out there, is Kevin Arnovitz. How's it going, Kevin? Going very well. So we have a special guest. He has not been on this podcast before. And you normally, I do not go outside our collective group. But Kevin, I had to make an exception. Uh, you and I know this guy well. Um, he is... How much do you think this podcast would cost us if we were paying for his time? I, it would be it would Alex. Be a lot what do you money. bill at these days? Yes, that's this is a very good question. It's confidential. Okay, okay. if you have to ask, <laughs> <laughs> this is Alex Spiro, who is one of the top attorneys in the country. I'm not just uh, fluffing him because he's here. Um, you know, Harvard Law uh, from Boston. That's important. Or do you call, do you say you're from New York, or do you say you're from Boston, Alex? Boston. Mostly because okay. of the Celtics, but, but for other reasons, too. Big Celtics fan. Um, uh, Harvard Law, worked in the Manhattan DA's office, and is like, this is the guy that, like, if you're an NBA player, this is the guy you go to. He has represented dozens of NBA players. Um, I don't, I mean, you know, he represented Charles Oakley against Jim Dolan. I'll, I'll give you that. Uh, DeMarcus Cousins, Ben Gordon, Matt Barnes, Thabo Cephalosha represented Thabo in his lawsuit after he got his leg broken in New York. Uh, has represented Elon Musk. Um, worked at Benjamin Bratman, Braffman's d- defense firm. If you know any, if you if you know anything about New York law, the fact that he uh, Ben Braffman, one of the top defense attorneys of all time in New York City. Alex, is that fair to say? Mick Jagger, Jay-Z. I mean, I don't want to go through your whole resume. Julian Edelman, who else have you represented? Aaron Hernandez, that was a good one. We'll save that one for your book. Plenty of others, some of whom nobody knows about, which is probably for the best. But uh, You represent a lot of people in a lot of different matters, which makes you unique, have unique. What would you say, Kevin? He's got a, a level of uh, insight into the NBA that few do because he is very popular with – popular. He's very intimately – associated with players and owners, which there's not a lot of people that cross that zone. Right, Kevin? Yes, I, I would say in terms of Intel per per minute, yes, uh, Alex leads the league. Yeah, that's you're right up there. Um, and now a partner, Quinn Emanuel, and you're joining us from from Florida where you're, uh, where you're currently operating out of. Um, but you're a big Boston Celtics fan, and this has not been the greatest year for your Celtics. Um, what are your emotions supporting the Celtics in this vital trade deadline week. Listen, it's, you know, it's been a long year for everybody and it's still early in the season. And 
You know, they still have two of the best wings in the league. Uh, Smart's coming back, and I think they're a trade away from being right there in the Eastern Conference. That's pretty optimistic considering that the, the, the Brooklyn Nets play in the Eastern Conference. Uh, you think there's a trade? Because, by the way, this is – I'm not just, just making talk here. This is a real thing. If you're, the, if you're the Boston Celtics, you're the Miami Heat. And, you know, they're both involved in trade talks, you know, this week. You know, the Celtics have talked about Aaron Gordon, who would be – you know, Alex, you think Aaron Gordon would be a good addition, right? You know, that, that that's where I have my eyes on, yep. Okay. Kevin, do you think if the Miami Heat got Kyle Lowry, which we'll talk about in a minute, or the Boston Celtics got Aaron Gordon, let's just not even talk about what they gave away. Do you think the acquisition of those two players materially changes the race for the Eastern Conference? Um, unlikely. And that might be more of a statement on Brooklyn. And and look, I, I'm going to die on the Milwaukee Hill. Uh, but I, I tend to think we overestimate midseason and trade deadline acquisitions. Um, and and I, I don't think there are, if we historically go back there, that many that have just completely reversed a conference race. I, I, there are some, certainly. But I also think it's it's unlike baseball in, in that respect. I, I just don't know that there is a single midseason. Now, Anthony Davis, and even, you know, had he been traded, midseason the way uh, you know I think his camp requested that'd be a different story but I, I just don't I, I think we tend to overemphasize the trade deadline because it's fun because we love transactions because change is interesting but I honestly don't think Aaron Gordon is going to change the fortunes of of the race now I, I think he could improve the Celtics by a game or two um I'm a huge as you know I I, I am I am I am president of the Cowlary fan club and I think he could give uh, I think you give the heat a jump start to some extent, but I don't, I, I just don't think these are going to be the balance of power rests in the acquisition of someone who is available. Yeah. That's the thing, Alex. So like, okay, let me, let me offer you two players. Like if I told you you could trade for Aaron Gordon, but it would cost you Tristan Thompson and two first round picks. Is that a trade you'd be willing to make? Two firsts is tough there. I mean, the, I'm hoping one of the young guys, not Tristan, and uh, a first-round pick would get us Aaron. And, you know, then, listen, Brooklyn and Milwaukee are still going to be very tough, and I agree it's likely uphill. But I think he's a, a, a decent enough guard for Durant or as close as you can get to bothering KD. And you're now at a point where at least your fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh players are hopefully better than the Nets' fourth through seventh players. And I agree with Kevin that, you know, these midseason acquisitions are rarely that impactful, except when you're just a player or two short, because then it changes everybody in the rotation a little bit. And then the Celtics can go seven deep and you can have confidence in each and every player, you know, having chops in a, in a major series like that. So what about uh, another name I'll give you, Bogdan Bogdanovich, who is um, has some unrest in, in Atlanta uh, when he went there. I think he thought he was going to be a full-time starter. Is not a starter right now, although they're winning. Um, Bogdan could be available this week. The Celtics are one of the teams that might have some interest, but I think that might cost you Marcus Smart. What about that type of transaction? If that was if that was serious, I think we've seen what Marcus means to the Celtics, and he's he's the lifeblood of that team. And uh, I, you know. I couldn't go along with that trade. And, you know, that's one of those things I'd call Mike Zarin up urgently about, frankly, because uh, that's just 
makes me scared to even hear it. Well, I'm not saying that's what they're offering. I'm saying I think that's what Atlanta would want, just to be clear. Um, Mike Zarin is the uh, assistant. What, what's his title? Is, is he assistant GM, uh, Kevin? I can't. He's you know he's right behind Danny Ainge in the organization and handles most of their trade talks, by the way. Um, Kevin, I want to ask you about Bogdan Bogdanovich real quick. Um, I My intel on Bogdan, a, a lot of it comes from his time with this, with the Serbian national team. And I really was impressed with his work ethic, his competitiveness, his fire. Uh, I like his makeup a lot. Okay. Um, then the stuff with Milwaukee happens. And uh, at the end of the day, he didn't, at the end of the day, he didn't want to go to the bucks. Um, and two, he goes to the Hawks and now is, has unrest, even though he's been, um, he's been injured for a lot of the year and, uh, they're on a winning streak and it doesn't fit with the guy that I know is the competitor. Um, where are you at with Bogdan right now? Cause I, I still like him, but I'm a little bit unnerved by his, what I can, what I've been told is displeasure with not being a starter uh, in Atlanta right now behind Kevin Herter. Yeah, I mean, I think there were a confluence of events. If he doesn't get hurt, I suspect he might very well still be the starter. Uh, some of this is, you know, it's but funny. He could, he, he could be the starter again in a month. Or, right, right. You know. and, and the funny thing is, is he paid 30 minutes a night against the Lakers and Kevin Herter played 30 minutes against the Lakers the other night, right? So um, it is one of those, it's not who starts, it finished. And by the way, guess who finished? Um, it, it was, actually both of them finished. But Bogdanovich was on the floor for the entire final 18 minutes of that game. I mean, let me repeat. He was on the floor for the entire final 18 <laughs> minutes of that game. Uh, I, look, I, I think for some guys, that's a thing, right? Like I, I, I want to start, um, you know, he got Wally pipped a little bit in the sense that, you know, hers had a really nice year. Um, you know, his, his, he, I think he's proven he's a more capable playmaker than I think people realize he's, I, I think we assume that every two in the league now, is a guy who just swings around screens, catches and shoots. And in, in her case, he's more than that. Uh, I think in many cases, uh, twos are more than that. But uh, I, I get it. Um, he was paid. I, I think the pay reflected not a guarantee, but a certain expectation of role. And look, I, I think in some ways it's going to be Nate McMillan and, and to some extent the front office's responsibility to kind of say, hey, you know, to do that, come to Jesus. It's not who starts, it finishes Bogdan, right? Like, like you're, you're a key member of the team. There was only one guy on the floor for the final 18 minutes of that game. And it was you, right? So, um, but I, I don't know. I mean, I, I think the critique of the acquisition to some extent was um, his timeline is a little later than some of these guys. Uh, but I, yeah, I think he's 20, I think he's about 28. Right. But to be honest, I don't know. Very few of us had any objections with that acquisition. You know, the Hawks had the cap money. He, he's, He's a really exuberant player. Um, coaches in Sacramento absolutely loved him during his time there. Uh, he's sort of an energy generator. There's there's a certain effervescence he has on the court. There's stage presence for a team. I think that needed you know a, a little even to kind of counterbalance Trey Young, so that it was sort of more of a collective effort than a singular effort. So I, I don't know. I, I I think winning solves a lot, and I'll be curious to see if the Hawks continue to play well if we're having this conversation in another week and a half. Um, you know, they also have another option, which is if you want to play him at three, you could probably bounce Tony Snell 
from from the starting lineup. And in fact, it was sort of Snell's moments that minutes that he claims once he's on the floor a lot in the second half of the game. So, you know, that that's a kind of a largely a defensive question, right? Like Snell is going to be your best kind of rangy wing defender. And you kind of need that guy. Cam Reddish is hurt. And I don't know how severe the injury is, but I don't know if he's going to be, I don't know what his availability is going to be the rest of the year. So that's something to figure out. But, you know, I, I think Atlanta, Alex, I think Atlanta is a team that's probably going to end up doing something this week, one one way or another. You know, John Collins and, and Bogdan are names that are out there. Um, but they have Tony Snell as an expiring contract, who, by the way, has been playing for Nate McMillan. He's been playing a lot more for Nate McMillan than he did uh, under Lloyd Pierce. Uh, but they have Tony Snell as a um, as a trade piece if they want, who's an expiring contract. And then um, – I do think there is a belief out there that they would that they would move Cam Reddish for the right trade. Now, let me just say that Cam is hurt. So if you trade for him, I don't know if you'd get him right away, but that's also possible. I have a controversial comment about the Celtics. I don't think this is an acquisition issue. The bottom line is Walker, Smart, Brown, Tatum, and, and Tice have played a total of 56 minutes together. And by the way, they're, they're a plus four, which is not anything great, but I, I just ultimately think that to the extent that the Celtics are going to improve in the second half of the season and, you know, be a factor in the playoffs. I don't think it's going to be necessarily from the outside acquisition, though. I agree with, I I agree. Hey, Aaron Gordon would be a nice piece. Sure. But I think ultimately this is one of those teams that's just going to have to improve from within. Like we know that five man unit is really good when they're playing well, they haven't played together. There have been COVID issues on, you know, the first half of the season with that team. And I just think that's the, that's the key that's going to unlock this. It's not going to be, Oh, you get some spark from the outside or you give up a draft pick. It's going to be, we have a great five man unit. Um, You know, there, there's some options if you want to take Tice off the floor late, but these four guys are going to be the core that, that by the way, has performed in the past and is getting better. Each of those individual players, with the exception of Walker, is getting better. So I, I just think that's the key. I don't think there's any magic bullet that's going to come from the outside. I, I don't disagree, except that the three best teams in the East right now are very big. And so if we're thin up front, that's just – and you saw that with Tice last year in the playoffs. And that's why you know Gordon, I think, can hold his own and also provide a little bit more more spark there – and just again, deep in the rotation, we don't want to. We've got a solid five when they're all playing well together, but we don't also want to be thinner than the Nets, right? Because we're not going to be better than their best three. So we've got to be better from four to seven. And so that's why I think one or two more pieces then pushes some of these folks who are in the rotation that aren't um, excelling a little bit deeper down the bench. Yeah, so um, the Gordon market, there's been a number of teams that are interested in him. Uh, Minnesota has been in there. Portland almost traded for him last offseason. Although the thing about Aaron Gordon and the Magic are the Magic have kind of been on the fence about trading guys for a long time. So it's very hard to evaluate exactly where the Magic are. Um, There was a report from The Athletic this morning that Aaron Gordon has requested a trade uh, back in February. Uh, I will tell you. I heard the same thing back then, but I would, I would, it would, I would, here's what I would add. Does it matter whether Aaron Gordon asked for a trade? Like um, the, the magic, the way the magic operator very much sort of on the fence. I'm not sure the team that's sort of interesting is those blazers. Because when you look at the blazers, you think about their biggest challenge, their biggest challenge is defense. Um, would you think you, you think he's a plus defensive player, Kevin? Who Gordon? Yeah. Oh, I think so. 
I think so too. Yeah, I, I, I um, decisively. I, I won't say he's all NBA defense, but I think I think he is a plus. And also, again, switchability, mobility. Yes. I mean, they do not switch a lot in Portland traditionally. Well, like, with Nurkic, right. they they really can't. Right, but even one through four. But I think I think they could do a lot. They'd have a they'd have more options. They'd have a larger menu. Okay, so Portland's number one uh, problem is defense. Or number two problem is that when Damian Lillard gets double teamed, what do you do? Um, it's one of the reasons why Dame has. I mean, I don't think this is a secret. Dame, Dame, and, and Draymond Green have a mutual admiration society for each other. I think Draymond would love to get Dame on the <laughs> Warriors. I think Dame would love to get Draymond on the Blazers. But the idea is because Draymond's one of the greatest players to play with if you're getting trapped because the way he can catch and create. So I think they. I think Dame likes likes the idea of getting a guy like Aaron Gordon, who would be a very effective player when he gets trapped and it's a four on three situation. He's a pretty effective guy. He shoots, he's shooting over 40% on threes this year. He just had a game where he had seven threes. So um, I think Portland makes some sense. The question is, do they have enough? You know, so Alex talked about what Celtics could offer. You know, Portland's offer would essentially probably be some of their young pieces. Guys like Zach Collins, who hasn't been healthy in two seasons. A guy like uh, Anthony Simons, um, a guy like maybe Gary Trent, who's a free agent to be. Um, who am I forgetting, Kevin? Um, In terms of Portland's, uh, yeah, stable. I mean, I mean, I, they can trade a first round pick, but you know, they traded two first round picks for Covington, so I think the next first round pick they can trade isn't until twenty four, maybe. Yeah, it's pretty far. Um, up. So. Um, you know, I don't know. Does that trump Austin's offer? I'm not sure. It depends, I think, on 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 whether they prefer picks or whether they prefer you know known quantity players. Because I I do think they want either two firsts or a, a player, a good young player in a rookie contract and a first, which is sounds like what Alex wants to offer. Yeah, I, I mean, and it, this is a larger question, but I think the buyout market is it sort of complicates the trade market. Right, and that's not to say there aren't these players that would be obviously they're not going to be available in the buyout market. But I think there's a certain point where a steep price forces a, a front office to ask, okay, like we could give up a lot for this player, we could give up a lot less for maybe a lesser player, but in terms of kind of a cost value ratio, like what do we want to do? And I just think the availability of Sort of the emergence of the buyout market is being it used to be like one guy and now it's sort of anybody over the age of X, right? And and, and I, I think that sort of really complicates. I just I don't see a lot of teams giving up huge hauls this season for an upgrade, especially for a non all star. I just don't see it. I just think those assets are too important in the off season when you actually can construct some, you know reasonable value trades. I, I it, this is this is my skepticism that we're going to see fireworks. This to say nothing of sort of the weirdness of this season in general. Um to say nothing of the top heaviness of the east. I, I don't know. I I'm I'm a little skeptical. Um if, if the Celtics if the Celtics do anything didn't do anything, Alex, would you be disappointed as a Celtics fan? I would. And you know you have to remember, right, that our, our mid teens picks have not landed consistently great players. So, right. I look at that too, right. So why not trade them? So why not trade a couple? A little bit. Sure. Exactly. 
Warm up with the hottest games live with Vivid Seats. No matter the sport, Vivid Seats wants you to get to the games you love. Plus, with Vivid Seats rewards, you can score free tickets, surprise seat upgrades, an annual birthday discount, and more. They're the only ticket company in the game that rewards fans for every purchase. As the official ticketing partner of ESPN, Vivid Seats is offering you $20 off your first $200 ticket purchase with code HOOP. That's code HOOP. H-O-O-P. Visit VividSeats.com or download the app today. Vivid Seats. Experience it live. Now let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac weighing heavily on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And boom, Onyejo Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good. The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the hypnotic team. Every season is hypnotic and tequila season. Hypnotic liquor, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. Portland's had an interesting situation because of the of the Lakers out west. I'll talk about that in a minute. But I do want to focus on, I think the most interesting player between now and Thursday will be Kyle Lowry. So, by the way, uh, one note on the buyout, guys. The and I'll I'll encourage Alex knows a lot more than he can say, but if Alex can say anything about this, I'll encourage you to say something. But the league believes, and I know that that's a vague statement, but I'm I'm saying that that way to avoid trapping myself. Okay, the league believes, you know, numerous teams that I've talked to believe that Andre Drummond is headed for the Lakers. You know, if slash when he gets bought out. And there's a growing belief that LaMarcus Aldridge, the leader for LaMarcus Aldridge, is the Heat. Now, let's see how everything plays out this week. The Heat could make moves that change their dynamic. Other teams could make moves that change their dynamic. Um, You know, I I know that the L.A. teams have interest in LaMarcus, too. And the way things go, that could end up being the case. But the league, there, you know, multiple people I talk to in the league with multiple teams seem to think that's a possibility. But let me talk about uh, Kyle Lowry and the Raptors more broadly. The Raptors lost their eighth consecutive game uh, last night in Cleveland, Sunday night in Cleveland. Um, they were really getting going, and this their season has been completely derailed by the COVID um, uh, but, um, you know, infection that hit their team. Totally threw them off their game. Um, and now they're just in free fall. And so they have two players, Kyle Lowry and Norman Powell, who are free agents to be. They got to make decisions on. And Norman Powell um, is having the best year of his career. He's averaging 20 points a game, shooting like 45% on threes. Um, and not a elite passer of the basketball, but can defend. Uh, has value out there. There are teams interested in Norman Powell, and they, and they could very well trade him. I know one of the teams interested in him is Brooklyn, for example. You talk about Brooklyn upgrading at the deadline. Um, they could. Uh, I think I think multiple teams are interested in Powell, but Brooklyn's in there, and they have Spencer Dinwiddie. And I know Dinwiddie can't play this year, but to get his bird rights, it could be interesting, um, although Toronto would have cap space um, if they let Guy Lowry go. Um, the Lowry thing is this. Uh, I was talking to a GM this morning, and he basically described it as this. Kyle Lowry's free agency is happening right now. Uh, the expectation is that Kyle Lowry is going to have a new contract by the end of this week. It's either going to be to stay in Toronto, whether it's signed or an understanding that that, tri- that, that is going to happen. It's going to be Miami or it's going to be Philadelphia. Those are the three options 
that the expectation is out there. And this gets back to what I was talking to you about at the start of this, Alex. I know that Miami is interested in him. I know Jimmy Butler would love to play with them. And they have the young assets and the tradable contracts to make this happen. They have Andre Iguodala's contract. They have Kelly Olenek's contract. They have Kendrick Nunn and Tyler Hero and um, uh, and Duncan Robinson. And some package of that um, could work. Uh, but if you trade for Kyle Lowry and you have Jimmy Butler, Kyle Lowry, and Bam Adebayo, do you believe that that team can beat Philly and Brooklyn uh, and win the Eastern Conference? Because that's a pretty big choice when you trade when you'd be thinking about doing doing a trade like that. I mean, it's it's a wacky year, um, and so strange things may happen. And I, I, if it were me, I'd like to be in the hunt, and he helps you be in the hunt, um, and you know you're going to get every inch out of him and what he can do to a team. I mean, he, that, that Heat team from last year had that kind of spirit above all else. And you you add him to that mix, um, you never know. And so I, I don't know if I give up Hero, but if none is not really going to be meaningfully in the rotation, if everybody were healthy, I'd give up none. Yeah, well, Robinson's a free agent this offseason, Kevin. And so if you... Because uh, you know, because when I say Kyle Lowry is going to, because I think if if you're going to trade meaningful stuff for Kyle Lowry, you're going to want to extend him. You're going to want to know you have him. And but the but the issue with the Heat is the Heat have salary cap space. They could sign Kyle Lowry outright in the summer. So do you trade those pieces now to try to to swing for the fence this this season, uh, or do you just wait till the summer, keep all your pieces, and then make another run at it next year? Uh, the other thing I want to point out is Jimmy Butler is extension eligible this summer. So that's going to be an interesting decision as well. So <clears throat> if you're thinking about the heat, you know, you if you trade for Kyle Lowry and extend him, you're sure as hell going to extend Jimmy Butler. And those are your two 30-year-old guards. I guess Jimmy, you know, play forward, whatever. Those are your, those are your two 30-year-old core players alongside Bam Adebayo, and that's your team going forward. Um, it depends what your tolerance is. And, and- Brian, you've always been better at this than I am. If you get Kyle and you're Miami, you get his bird rights, correct? Yeah, I mean, I think they and, would- and so I think that that's to me like that's the reason why you don't wait outright, correct? Well, is, but they would have cap space, as my say. I'm saying you wouldn't. But you can you ha- you can have your cake and eat it too, though, right? I mean, again, if you're willing to go into it depends. There's a cost to that. The cost right. could be Duncan Robinson. Like I don't think they're trading Tyler Hero because Tyler Hero has two years left on his rookie contract at good money. Yeah, um, I, I, you know, I, I think, you know, Duncan Robinson, whether you want to, you know, what's the market for Duncan Robinson date Davis Bertans type money, which was four and 84 or was it five and 80. It was 20 million a year. Right. Like in that neighborhood, uh, at least Joe Harris money. Right. Yes. So you're looking at 18 to 20 million a year for a guy. Do you want to pay Duncan Robinson that much money? You know, is that something you're comfortable doing? I don't know. But the difference between Miami and Philly is that Philly would not have cap space this summer. So your chance of getting Kyle Lowry is now. Okay. And, and so my, and also if you get Kyle Lowry, you, you know, I'm jumping a little bit ahead in the conversation because I want to talk about Miami. You get Kyle Lowry, if you're Philly, you think I can win the whole thing this year. I'm not sure Miami is going to feel that way. And, you know, it's, um, I don't know, it's a, it's a, it's a tough call, but I will say this, Pat Riley just had a birthday over the weekend. I think, you know, he's in his seventies. You know, last week, Pat Riley traded a 2027 second round pick for 
for um, Trevor Ariza. I don't think Pat Lowry, Pat, Pat Riley cares about 2027 picks. And if you're Pat Riley, I think you're trying to win this year and next year. I think that's a factor on, on this as well, Alex. Yeah, absolutely. Lifespan of the team and, you know, management and coaches, of course. And listen, they had a lot of success last year and they have to have some faith that in an empty gym, in a repeat of last year with everybody having that experience a year older, that if you add one more ingredient, you never know what might happen. Right. And Brooklyn is still untested in the playoffs. I think there are questions that linger about James Harden. Philly has not been to the promised land. The Bucks have um, not made it all the way. So why not us? Okay, so here's Philly's situation. Philly has a couple of good young pieces. They have Tyrese Maxey, who was taken in the 20s. I think he was taken in the 20s. I, don't, I think that's where Philly drafted. Um, and that was about where uh, you know Toronto was drafting in the 20s last year. So they looked at Maxey closely. Maxey was off the board before they drafted Malachi Flynn. But I'm sure they have a good feel for Maxey. Um, they have the 2021 first round pick. They have the 2023 first round pick. Um, they can trade both of those picks. Uh, they have Danny Green as well, and they have Mike Scott, and they have um, uh, Thibel, uh, who could also be in the deal. Now, they also have the option. They could trade a guy like Danny Green to another team, and I'm saying this because I know there are other teams that are interested in this. I'm not going to reveal who, but I know of a team that really wants Danny Green and would like to get in on a three-team um, Philly, uh, Philly, Toronto trade if they could, where they would get Danny Green and they could send assets that could end up in Toronto as part of this type of deal. Um, but it's going to, you know, I don't know how much of that, uh, Kevin, I don't know how much of that Daryl's willing to put on the table, but that's a trade to get Kyle Lowry. You get Kyle Lowry, you get him to play in the backcourt to defend Kyrie Irving, to defend James Harden. That changes their situation a little bit. Yeah, I mean, the question is, is you know, I, I think we're all just completely enamored with the Lowry and Philadelphia story for so many reasons, and I, and I, I agree. Look, I think I, I think Kyle Lowry can help anybody. Uh, the question then becomes, okay, if you're going to upgrade in your Philadelphia, is the price you pay for Lowry better? Is it worth? doing that rather than, hey, exploring the buyout market where you're a candidate because you're a contender, where there are you know, any number of other players who might be available who, granted, aren't Kyle. But you know, also the question is, is, is going forward, as you said, whoever signs, this is his free agency. Right? So, so you, it's not so much do we trade for Kyle Lowry if, if I'm Daryl Morey. It's who is out there, who are the various candidates to acquire, what does each of them cost, be it trade or buyout? And how much does it compromise our summer plans? And the question for me is, I know Sixers would be a much, not a much. I think the Sixers would be a better team with Lowry down the stretch this season. The question becomes, is he the best value acquisition given my ability to cobble together other trades and, and Maury's extremely creative with these sorts of acquisitions. And I think that's got to be the question. And I think it was what Zach Lowe in his column this morning said, Hey, if you're the Sixers, how about Powell? You know, if he, if he's a cheaper get than Lowry, is that a guy that you might want kind of long-term who's getting, as you, as you pointed out, he's actually getting better. I, I'm not necessarily sure that Norm Powell's the answer in Philadelphia, but I think it's a good question, which is, Okay, if we're putting Lowry as as the 
is our target, who else relative to cost would also make sense? That's true. That would kind of be Philly. I don't know about going all in because but let me just throw one more thing in there. If you acquire Kyle Lowry, and by the way, when I say Kyle Lowry is going to have a contract by the end of this week, I don't necessarily mean he's going to sign it. But if you're trading this stuff for, for Kyle, you know what he wants, and you and you know you're going to want to keep him. And so you're going to kind of almost negotiate with him or have a, a feel of what he wants. And I think if Toronto keeps him, the only reason they're keeping him is because they're going to extend him. You don't keep him if he's going to if you're going to let him walk in the summer. Right. So again, whether he actually puts the pen to paper this week or whether that happens, you know, in August is neither here nor there. But um, if you trade for Lowry and you're Philly, not only does it have help you con- you contend against Brooklyn this year, which I think it does help them, but it leaves you another window to do something because you're talking about what you're essentially describing, Kevin, is the opportunity cost. But what if it opens the window to potentially trading Ben Simmons later? If you if you go through your playoffs this year and the Nets are just better and they beat you and you realize you may have to change your roster to beat them. If you go into a Ben Simmons trade, like let's say you think about offering Ben Simmons for Bradley Beal, just as a hypothetical, because you already offered him for James Harden. So talking about Ben Simmons and trade talks <clears throat> is not crazy in my view. And he's under a long-term contract with no with no out clause. So, you know, you have him under t- full control. He'd be a, a heck of a heck of a trade asset. By having Lowry, you have another lead guard there to replace, you know, to be there, which which not only gives you a, a, a bite at the apple this year, but also gives you that opportunity later. Does that is that meaningful to you at all? All right. Well, let me ask you a question. What percentage of current Kyle Lowry will Kyle Lowry be in 18 months? He's 35. And by the way, again, this come. I think Kyle will age as gracefully as any guard given his genius. But I also think that, wow, you're asking a lot, which is, and I, I'm also someone who thinks, you know, Simmons is a flawed player, but I, I just, I know it's win now and Embiid is on the clock and at any point he might combust or, or there's some just awful injury. And I understand the mentality in Philadelphia and I'm a huge Kyle Lowry guy. He's a point guard who is 35 years of age. And I just think that if you're looking, how far out are you willing to look? You better win in the next year if you're if the if the plan is okay. This provides an opportunity. And look, if it's you can flip Simmons for Beal, fantastic. Do we know that's you know a, a probability? I mean, I just think you're. It's not only opportunity cost, you're assuming things about the future that can't be guaranteed, which is what could we get for Simmons? I suspect you can get quite a nice haul for Simmons, but wow, that's just a lot. That That's just, there's a lot of contingencies there. Well, let me ask you both another question, which is, has Simmons ever played with a point guard to unlock him? And are you willing to make a bet that the genius of Kyle Lowry can't unlock this, you know, what, you, what you're calling a flawed player, this unique player? Um, in, in a you know a shortened time period, in half a season, can he unlock him and that offense further um, to go with obviously what would become an even better defense and and take the title? Yeah, and I love him. By the way, when I say he's a flawed player, I'm just being clinical about it. I love Ben Simmons. I mean, everybody's flawed. <laughs> I mean, right, right, exactly. That's what I'm saying. Is is that um, I, look? I understand that. Oh, 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 my point was is 
I don't know if getting over the top to Philadelphia means trading Ben Simmons. That was sort of my suggestion. I wasn't clear, right? Like, like and I'm with you. I, I think Lowry could unlock all kinds of things in that team, but it better be this season, right? Like his value is going to diminish over the course of the next few years. And that's not a knock on Lowry. That is just a reality and an expression of my understanding of age and, and what happens to human beings uh, who play high level basketball for set eight months a year. So, Alex, so yeah. Alex, let me ask you a general question. You are very tied into the ownership world. How are the NBA owners' finances in general right now? I realize that everybody's a little bit different. Some guys have really benefited, and some guys have really been punished by the pandemic. You know, but in general, how do you feel? What's your feel for what NBA owners' financial situations are right now? Are they are they going to be spending on this at this deadline and this uh, off season, or are we going to see a retreat? I think you're going to see a retreat. I mean you're you're seeing slices of different sports teams be put out into the marketplace a little bit. And it depends sort of what your core businesses are. If you own the team and you have an e-commerce business that has thrived and the team is not a major part of it, that's one thing. If your business is restaurants and public events and you own an NBA team, that's or the a cruise line. line or a cruise line or a cruise line. Um, so I think it sort of depends. And it also depends on what you think, um, the chances are of you kind of stealing one. Maybe you think that this unique um, setting that we're in with where home court advantage is different, um, where you have this play in tournament um, that, you know, if you're five through nine, you're not really as far out of it as, as you think you are, because it's not like you're playing all these meaningful road games. And so you think, OK, you never know. Right. Everyone's psyche is is worn. You know, is this a unique place, an opportunity where you take a shot? Um and obviously, some of the teams have done a really good job of capturing IP rights and looking at sports tech and all these other things to sort of supplement a lot of the lost revenue. But you would say that the PE, the private equity guys and the hedge fund guys are in good shape relative maybe to the other guys? I think that's probably fair. You can now stream the most MLB games on DirecTV without a satellite dish. Yes, catch the clutch hitch, strikeouts, grand salamis, web gems with nothing on your roof. So who's ever up there, whether it's roofers, Santa, birds, old-timey chimney sweeps, moody teenagers, thrill-seeking raccoons, you name it. You won't find the satellite dish, but you will find your MLB games are on DirecTV. That means DirecTV is your home for baseball this season. Root, root, root with nothing on your roof. Yes, stream your team. Call 1-800-DIRECT-TV or visit directtv.com and sign up today. Claim based on total games carried on sports networks. Sports availability varies by zip code and requires choice package. Passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts. 122 million. For your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only, exclusions apply. Because, you know, quite frankly, I don't know how much of it, how much of it matters, but Philly is owned by private equity guys and Miami is owned by 
you know, a guy who's been hammered in this. And, uh, you know, I, I don't know how much of a factor that is, but it's certainly a factor when you're looking at trading for a guy in his mid-30s who wants a, an extension, which is what, Kevin? I mean, what's a what's a deal for Kyle Lowry? What, what uh, this is a really good Paul question, Paul? right? I mean, I, I think we, we can agree that it's shorter, right? Like we yeah, can I agree. Two years plus some sort of option or partial guarantee, right? I would fair? have to look at the Miami spreadsheet and say, hey, where do they want to, again, recapture that cap room? Um, and they can spend, and again, I need to, I would need to look at, Hey, when is Hero's extension scheduled for? And you're, again, you, you have, well, they have Hero like, on the, on the chief for two more years, but right. the key for my Miami is going to be a, a, a they're going to have cap space this off season. Right. But I'm saying going forward, right? Like, like it's two years for Lowry. You can kind of have, what do we think? It's, it's two and I don't know. I mean, 36, 35. Well, I mean, I, you, you tell me. In Miami's situation their their books right now are very clean going forward. They're going to have 20 plus million dollars in cap space this summer. But if you sign Kyle Lowry, that's huge outlay. Bam Adebayo's new max contract comes on the books. And if you keep Duncan Robinson uh, and you sign him, that's humongous money. And then you're talking about potentially extending Jimmy Butler. Two years from now, you're talking about a very, very expensive team. Uh, even in Philly, uh, with where Tobias Harris's contract is, that's gonna that keeps going up. And B becomes um, supermax. He's going to become supermax eligible this offseason. I'd be stunned if he doesn't uh, sign it. That comes it. You know Simmons is on a max. Um, you know adding a, you know you know trading out guys who have expiring contracts like Danny Green and Mike Scott and replacing them with a guy who's going to earn probably in excess of thirty million. That's not a that's not a guaranteed rubber stamp. Yes, let's just do it. I mean, that's a big decision that that goes along with deciding about the talent. And so that's why I'm saying, you know, like, you know, the money has been flowing for some of these private equity guys. Um, um, all right. So let me let's before we go, I want to talk a little bit about the Western. I just I think Kyle Lowry is going to be fascinating. He's got to be in. He's got to have a lot on his mind this week, because even though his career is pretty accomplished. I think he's a six-time All-Star NBA champion. This is obviously a lot of money and affects what the back end of his career will be. And by the way, it could be just in Toronto. They could they could offer him a two-year extension or whatever and he could just take it and be very happy. Um, that's definitely in the in the cards here. In fact, the, the media out of Toronto has been basically reporting that's what they think is going to happen. And I think that they're that they're saying that because that's the vibe that the team has been putting out. But in talking to executives around the league, they're getting the side eye from Masai, who thinks that Masai wants to project that he's going to keep Kyle to raise the price um, uh, up for him. So that's one of the most interesting things. We're going to see how that plays out in the next three days. Obviously, a huge event in the NBA over the weekend. LeBron James goes down with a high ankle sprain. He's never had this injury before. He's probably sprained his ankle. Um 30 times? I don't know. He, he, who knows how many times he sprained his ankle. I was looking at uh, Jeff Stotts from In Street Clothes. He said that LeBron had only, before this injury, had only missed three games in his career due to a sprained ankle. In my mind, I remember more than three, but let's just agree that's less than 10. This guy's got iron ankles, but the but the the tendons that he's sprained dozens of times over are not is not this tendon. This tendon is up you know, in the high part of the ankle. And, 
you know, the Lakers are, you know, you know, they're saying indefinitely, and we don't know how long it's going to be, but the Lakers internally, the Lakers players are saying, and the Lakers are telling other teams that they think it's going to be a month. Now, I don't know if it's going to be a month. Let's say it's two and a half weeks. Let's say it's three weeks. I don't know. LeBron probably doesn't even know. Either way, it's going to be weeks. Okay. Anthony Davis is supposed to get reevaluated on that Achilles this week. Let's just assume the best case scenario. And they say, Anthony, you can go back to basketball activities. He's not going to play right away. He's going to need at least a week, maybe two, to get back to wind and put him out on the court, especially with involving an Achilles. So they're looking at optimistically two weeks without both of them, maybe longer. And in that case, you know, they're only three games, three or four games up on the seven seed, they have a bad two weeks, which seems probable. They're going to be out of the top six. And that top six matters so much now, guys, because if you're six, you don't have to play in the play-in tournament. And also six is going to be a pretty juicy spot to be in because you're probably not going to be on the same side of the bracket as the Jazz. And depending on what happens, you may not be on the same side in the first round, at least, as um, as the Clippers. So if you get the six seed... You could end up playing like the Suns, which no offense to the Suns, but I'd rather play the Suns than the Clippers, Lakers, or Jazz. And if you if you are if you avoid the play-in, you avoid having to deal with the Lakers in the play-in. I mean, think of the Jazz. Think of the Jazz are now saying to themselves, "Oh my God, we might have to play the Lakers in the first round." If depending on how this goes, and also if you're if you're the Lakers, you could say, well, we could end up with the freaking seven seed, have to win our way in, which they would if they had them both healthy. We might have to play the Clippers in the first round. So to me, Kevin, this is a real throw things up in the air with that seeding out west when you factor in the play in tournament. Sure, it's suboptimal for the Lakers. Um I, I mean your threshold here is Dallas and San Antonio. Uh, Dallas's performance on Sunday night suggests that <laughs> clearly they, they, you know, Luca on all cylinders is is, is a threat. I, I just, I mean, I, I guess the question is like, what do you do? And other than you wait and that you kind of, and I and I know this isn't a, a, a perfect comp, but I think all of a sudden you're sort of the Cavs who were the four seed, right? Like I, I think there's a certain sense that you you trust when the lights go on Memorial Day weekend and the playoffs start that you have enough, A, say, to avoid, um, you know, dropping below six. B, if you can't drop below six, you have enough to avoid two consecutive losses when LeBron and Anthony Davis are back on the floor and you play it out from there. In a year where home court, depending on what happens with arenas and capacity, probably are less important. And for that matter, again, it's LeBron, right? Playing one of his... Some of the best basketball, I can't even believe we're saying this. Some of the best basketball of his, what, 48 year career or whatever it is at this point. Um, and that, 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 you know, home court becomes less of an issue, um, both because of conditions and because it's the LeBron factor, right? Like you can flip the switch, a, a term that we essentially created in the context of the NBA to describe LeBron James teams that have various issues in the regular season, be it boredom or injuries or just, is sort of just lack of continuity in terms of who's on the floor and how they're managing it. So I, I, I think, yeah, it's, it's suboptimal. I just don't know what you do about it, Brian. Like what you, you swing a trade for whom you've got the buyout market because you are the Lakers. This is one of your great luxuries, right? You mentioned it. You mentioned Andre Drummond. There are others, right? You're the one team that can probably just where it, it's, it's, it's an invitation, not an acquisition, right? Um, especially if you're talking about coming to a team where it's going to have plenty of playing time, 
as these two guys are on the men. So, I mean, that's what you do. But I, I just don't know. You know, what, what, what are the contingencies here? What, 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 do you, what do you do about this suboptimal situation? Alex, it's um, I agree. In general, you have a healthy LeBron and AD. I like your chances, but um, it doesn't mean you want to make your road harder. Well, I'm not sure these are, listen, they're not catastrophic injuries. They're going to be back in, in weeks, not many months is all likelihood, right? And, you know, there's something to be said for other factors that happen here, right? Like, you know, do Gasol and Dennis start getting a two-man game that, that I thought would be possible and they get a little bit more um, cohesive having to score and, and Gasol gets a little bit more assertive? Does Kuzma, who's already blossomed, go a step further um, and, and do they hang on, win a couple here and there? And then what are we talking about? Ultimately, we're talking about LeBron and AD having some rest, um, even if it's rest during an injury. They come into um, the sort of beginning of the playoffs, whether they're in the tournament or not, to get into the into the formal playoffs. I mean, that just gives them a running start. Maybe it gives them some nobody believes in us. Uh, maybe it gives them some, okay, this this now changes the season from the boredom of I've now done this 20 times. There's something unique here, a further challenge here, something else I have to prove to the world. And maybe it doesn't give them a little bit of, of skip in their step. And then the final thing I would say, as I said earlier, is I'm not so sure home court advantage matters as much um, in the current climate as it does normally. Um, without the fans and the fans at the same level, I just don't think it matters as much. You make a good point there about potentially being a, a bit of a, a blessing in disguise. It's possible that could be true because you do get those guys who, who played a lot rest. Um, and you may sort of foster some confidence amongst some of their younger guys, which is why I, there's been some chatter about the Lakers, you know, dipping their toe into the trade market this week. Um, the piece that they have that they may be looking be willing to move is Contavious Caldwell Pope. Um, the piece that teams want is Talon Horton Tucker, um, who's a free restricted free agent at the end of the year. Um, I don't know whether you cash that in at this point. I don't even know what's out there to cash in. I think it goes to your point, Kevin, about um, upgrading at the middle of the season. But this also, I have seen stuff like this happen in the past where you you do get some of your other guys playing time and you develop some stuff that could be valuable later. Um, you know, let's say, for example, they hold their head above water and, you know, they're going to slide in the standings, but let's say they hold on to one of those top six seeds. Let's say they hold on to like a five or six and, and Kuzma does get going and, you know, Horton Tucker with more time gets going and Caruso. Caruso hasn't had a very good year. Caruso gets going. And then let's say you get to the postseason and you're in the middle of a series and Anthony Davis sprains his ankle, which happens. He gets hurt. And now he's got to miss two games. And and maybe LeBron doesn't have to play 45 minutes because you know that you can you can you can sit him down because you have that thing that you got to, to you know the little incubation on. Um, and you know, LeBron's always going to feel like he has a great chance to win any series. Uh, so he, you know, he may say, I don't care for the 10 seed. We'll, we'll just, just win a couple extra games and, and win our way in. I mean, all of that's feasible, Kevin. I just don't know. Um, you know, when you're, when you're trying to win a championship, you're looking for less hurdles, not more. Yeah. But uh, again, this, this is, this is an unavoidable. I, I like what you're saying. Schroeder gets to be an absolute catalyst 
I mean, the true sort of manager of the offense. Um, and again, I, I, and I agree with Alex in the sense that, hey, if ever there's a year to kind of pull something off, this is the year. Um, and I just – you're the, probably the person who taught me this. Like, I'll, I'll take the team with LeBron James on it, irrespective <laughs> of what their seed is right. on May 25th. Um, and, yeah, again, suboptimal. But also, I also think that – you know, to Alex's point about home court advantage, I also don't recall a year. And by the way, I, I have huge reverence for the Utah Jazz right now and who they are and what they're doing. Right? By the way, they've walked, they're, they're five and five in their last ten. I, I just think when you shuffle the deck in the third week of May, I don't know if ever there is a year where between one and seven and even possibly one and eight, depending on kind of what happens with the Warriors or whatever else. Where there's less of it, that where if I told you at the beginning of the season, arrange these seven or eight teams and tell me which seed they are, where it matters less, um, where the bracket you almost can remove the seeds, and and I think we might be looking at a Western Conference series, uh, a Western Conference bracket that kind of looks like that, where you know you might be at a certain point in May less eager to face the Dallas Mavericks and Luca than you might be the Utah Jazz, who maybe have come back to earth. And, and again, I, I'm a big jazz guy. Where Denver, who's kind of been sleepwalking a little bit of the season, got hot, still losing in games they shouldn't lose. Where, hey, are they the two or are they the six? Does it matter? And so if ever there's a year where you can take a little solace in a situation like the Lakers are dealing with, this is the year. Yeah, Alex, I don't think the Lakers probably fear any team in the Western Conference in a series. I don't think I don't think they're afraid of the Jazz. They'll, they'll go into Utah. They don't care. I don't know about if they whether they fear the Nets. Maybe that's a different story, but I mean, I doubt I doubt they fear anybody out there. Yeah, I think that's exactly right. You know, KD and and um I rather um AD and LeBron are not sitting at home worried about any one of these teams versus another. It's not like there's this you know, the Clippers haven't gotten to full, sort of full throttle mode, right? They look like it on paper. They look like they should get there, but they haven't. And while the Jazz have at point in times looked like, you know, a very well-oiled machine, you know, they're, they're sort of untested and we don't know where they'll be in a month. And the other teams have, you know, flaws and issues. And I just can't see AD and LeBron looking at it and saying, oh, we really want to avoid this team in the first round or that team in the first round. Um, and and just home court advantage not being a major issue. I don't I don't know it matters so much, frankly. I don't know. Maybe the NBA will look a lot different by Friday. Maybe it won't look that much different at all. And I guess that's exciting on some level. So um, we'll see. I, I would be surprised if the Lakers get into the trade market at all. I think they probably like what they have, like you said. All right, Alex, I know you've got clients to take care of and big deals to do. Kevin, I know you've got the same. And uh, I've got to make uh, 15 calls to NBA executives where I'll talk mindlessly and 99.9% of it will be useless information. But, hey, this is what I do. Um, that's what we do this time of year. Alex, thank you very much. I appreciate your time. I really do. Thanks, guys. It was fun. Thank you, Kevin. As always. Thank you to Tony, our producer. Uh, we'll be talking to you. Um, we're recording our next podcast after the trade deadline on Thursday. So I don't know if it'll go up that night or Friday morning. But thank you for listening. Have a good week.
And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Call 1-800-DIRECTV. Claim based on total games carried on sports networks. Sports availability varies by zip code and requires choice package. Terms and restrictions apply.